0: welcome to pickle me this the officially unofficial podcast for rick and morty on cartoon network's adult swim i'm your host jim and i'm aaron you can subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts today we're covering season three episode five the whirly-durly conspiracy here's
1: aaron with the recap Rick takes Jerry on a pity adventure to help bolster his self-esteem. Seeing as how Jerry is the most fragile being in the universe, Rick picks out an alien resort where it's impossible to die. Despite these safe surroundings, Jerry manages to be complicit in and also thwart several Rick assassination attempts, destroy the resort and its immortality field, get fed to an alien snake, and experience cosmic oneness before being dumped back on the Earth to return to his sad divorced dad apartment. Meanwhile. Beth tries to throw herself into horse-based arts and crafts, but is sidetracked by Summer accidentally Clive Barkering herself in a quest for bigger boobs. What did you think of this episode, Jim?
0: Uh, it's kind of fallout from last episode in some ways, um, at least for the the Jerry and Rick part. Because I think during this episode they talk about how Morty wanted Rick to take Jerry on an adventure, and then it comes out that Morty wanted that because he wanted to get away from Rick. Right. Who who just you know really tore a new hole in his heart last episode uh with that noob noob stuff and i really enjoyed it i thought you know the the stuff with summer is interesting the the adventure with rick and jerry i think is something that i wanted to see and maybe didn't know that i wanted to see until i saw it so that was pretty cool
1: i still think as we were we were talking i think in a previous season about um like the worst pairings or maybe the the, the individual to, who couldn't anchor an episode by himself. And I still feel like Jerry's uh, top of that draft. But yeah. Uh, yeah, pairing him with Rick is really interesting because, um, you know, Jerry needs to hear some hard truths. <laughs> and Rick is a guy who's willing to dispense them. Yeah. And it feels like by the end of this episode that – jerry is going to maybe take some fumbling steps into growing a fucking spine and being Uh a a a person that thinks about what he wants out of life instead of trying to figure out what everybody else wants and how he can get them to uh you know enable his his bullshit so i think it's great yeah i I, but there's lots of solid laughs uh i even think conceptually this thing is pretty cool with the infant the, the immortality field yeah yeah. Um, on this, on this, you know, like it's a different take on a pleasure planet. Sure. Yeah. And it
0: enables some pretty good goofs, mm-hmm. uh, some pretty horrible
1: goofs as well. Uh huh. I liked it. Uh, before we get into the episode, I, I want to have a brief addendum to the news we had last week of, uh, Mike Bindle, the line producer of Rick and Morty passing away. Um, when I got home, I listened to the, that week's Town, which is episode three fifty. You have 10 seconds to comply. Uh, and he does like a, he does like a 10, 15 minute eulogy for him at the top of the show. Hmm. Um, and everybody because he had, uh, you know, Rob Schraub, another person that's involved in Rick and Morty. Um, and there's a is a nice, nice send off. Uh, so if uh, you want to you want to hear Dan eulogize his friend, I would highly recommend checking out episode 350 of Armantown. You have 10 seconds to comply.
0: Let's let's start off with uh,
1: Rick and Jerry, because I feel like that's the most fun. Poor divorced dad Jerry. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked previously about his uh, windbreaker look and his, uh, y- you know, uh, Titanic hat wearing. Um, <laughs> it's got thing a he's got different. He's got going on, going now, on affectation. Yeah. But uh, this like sad divorced dad apartment is something that I can relate to. Even though my dad got divorced as a when I was a young man, um, I, I don't know if this is just a dad move. But my dad, even though he could afford better, moved into the shittiest, smallest. Fucked up apartment complex in the worst neighborhood in Indianapolis. Hmm. Got his car broken into. Got his motorcycle stolen. uh And just it's it, it wasn't this bad. This is like you know Jerry staying at a, a Roach Motel yeah, looking yeah. place. Mm-hmm. But it's it's I, I don't there, there's there's all these bits of truth that uh, that the team is 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 calling on to assemble this you know divorced dad thing. Um, Whatever
0: stuff he did have before mm-hmm. he was hauled out naked from his uh, bed yeah. is going to be gone. I mean, Rick just left the front door open. <laughs> oh, so
1: right. Although, what in this apartment
2: would yeah. you steal?
0: The,
1: Not much. Because that's a, a, the other thing is um, the environment's filthy. Mm-hmm. Like the shower is got mold infested. And I love the sequence where he fantasizes the mold looks like his family. <laughs> right. Um, But like, God, his microwave is filthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long has he been there and he just like i feel like all he does is microwave buffalo wings and cheap cheese pizzas because it's just all the inside is covered (laughs) in that greasy microwave explosion sludge uh Uh, so like he 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 got he moved into a real shithole and then he finds a way to dig a deeper hole and fill it for a full more shit yeah So i don't know like maybe his uh uh there's his uh, prize titanic photo Mm-hmm. Uh, in the background, maybe somebody, maybe a, a real Rose and Jack oh. fan would steal that. Sure, but uh, I mean that's a statement in itself. If you're in a shitty ho- motel like that and you just leave your front door open, I mean people just yeah. assume.
0: Be my guest.
1: Yeah, there's this guy. I mean, why even bother? It's like coming uh, up to a car and it's like already on blocks with its door stolen. Like, are you mm. going to really look in its cigarette lighter <laughs> or <in a> cigarette <laughs> ashtray for for change? Or you just going to keep rolling? Probably not. Um, I love how. So, ostensibly, the whole purpose of this is to make Jerry feel better about himself. Mm-hmm. But, like, Rick bails at the earliest opportunity at maintaining that facade. Oh, yeah. It's like the very yeah. first time that Jerry start, says, Oh, you know, I know what you're." Rick just spills the beans out. Ah, you're right. Your son thought you're going to blow your head off, so mm-hmm. I took pity on you. Um, and then the whole realization that actually Jerry thought that Rick was going to kill him... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's real good. Yeah.
1: And Jerry and Rick just laying down. It's like, okay, so this is how you would actually react to this situation. I thought that was uh really funny. And the realization that it's not even worse than that, that like, you know, Rick is all this high and mighty and act like he's taking pity on Jerry when actually it's all a lie just to get him out of Morty's hair. Hmm pretty good pretty good
0: yeah there's then you know they they go on their adventure they they talk and they come to some kind of understanding which i don't i don't know if this felt quite right to me like rick has a change of heart that i don't know is warranted here where he tells jerry essentially essentially apologizes to jerry about putting strain on their marriage after jerry points out that that's what he did i i don't see that as a very rick move it's I, almost seemed like a plot device uh-huh. that
1: goes against his character. All right, so I had the same thought, and okay. I, but I, I really started thinking about it because yeah. you know uh, the shows usually pretty smartly written, and the the characters are true to their arc. They've established that Rick's the kind of guy who will you know go out for drinks and bong hits with his the, his worst enemy, people who tried to kill him before, mm-hmm. and they also do a couple other things in this episode that kind of play with that concept, but like. You know jerry is a is an inconvenience to him and he's completely defeated him on the field of war the family field of war here so like rick gets a couple cocktails in him and starts taking a shine to jerry because the other thing is jerry's being a little bit um you know introspective i guess (laughs) uh like he's like for for jerry yeah yeah he's not not trying to front uh he's kind of admitting to how pathetic and 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 terrible he is and i think that maybe in this circumstance rick would kind of like let up and try to be now going here's the thing would rick promise to go back and tell beth that he's sorry for interfering with their marriage while he's super drunk yes will Mm -hmm. rick follow through with that when he whatever passes for sobering up for him that's the big question yeah like you know would he actually follow through and because of the events of the episode we're not going to find that out (laughs) There's interesting another kind of flip side of this coin is in, you know, after Jerry betrays him uh, and almost gets him killed in the whirly-durly conspiracy. Mm-hmm. um, You know, he's feeding Jerry to the snake and he's talking about a bunch of cold-blooded smack. And uh there's this line where Jerry's like, I realized I made a mistake. I'm never going to do it again. And Rick says, no one ever does. Yeah. I mean... That's also a contradiction between what he says about how he views his former villains, because if he killed everyone that double-crossed him, yeah, he wouldn't be able to say that. So like, I don't know. this whole thing is so kind of like outside of Rick is on a fake mission trying to fake bolster up his his former son-in-law as a favor for his grandson. so I get and he and he says a whole bunch of stuff just to manipulate Jerry. I don't know. I guess i could I guess I roll with it
0: yeah it's like super buried subtext if you really really want to dig and, mm. and give them the benefit of the doubt I you know having watched it a couple times I guess I didn't lean that far in Rick's direction I'm not inclined let's say to give Rick the benefit of the doubt uh, uh,
1: let me ask you this what did you think of Jerry's perspective that until a few years ago uh, him and Beth's relationship and the family dynamic was pretty good I don't see how that's possible
0: me either, because <laughs> I don't think Jerry has changed. No, uh, much from before then. Like everything that Beth says about their relationship right. makes me think that it's always kind of been like this, mm-hmm. and she's just never. She just always
1: kind of lived with it. I wonder if like if I if I roll back, let's say four years, mm-hmm. and like Summer isn't quite a teenager yet, and and Morty's still you know a, a little boy. I feel like that you know, when kids hit the teenage years is when you start having you know, that that's another like, you know, it's when they're babies it's a real pain in the ass. When they tend to be teenagers it's a real pain in the ass. I wonder if this is like rose colored, you know, rose tinted glasses that Jerry's got on that like Yeah. Beth was progressively getting fed up with him, uh, and his bullshit, but he couldn't see it and the kids were young and they weren't giving any problems and they looked up to him as their dad and mm. Rick arriving Cole uh, happened to expose him for being the lightweight that he is. And also the kids started getting older, you know, Morty started doing weird shit with grandpa. So he started to get distant. I wonder if it's true from his perspective that they had the perfect marriage until Rick showed up.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jerry isn't super self-aware. I don't think so. The idea that he would not see the signs, uh, is totally possible. And I also think that Rick probably did put extra pressure on that marriage, right? Like, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't that everything was roses before, but certainly now, it's starting to turn to ashes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Rick's around,
1: um, wh- I mean Jerry reveals himself to be a real piece of shit in a couple of different ways in this episode. <laughs> first of all, like he, you know, when uh a Risotto Groupon uh, first hijacks him, he like if acts like, oh, it'd be beyond the pale for him to conspire to kill Rick. But then Rick does some very small provocation to him, which is essentially continuing the, the the arc of the conversation that he had before he went in the bathroom. And Jerry just literally narrows his eyes and like, I'm gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. And then because he said he kind of makes some kind of conciliatory remarks to uh to Jerry before they get on the whirly durly then he tries to save him. And he's always trying to do this passive aggressive, like try to attack towards the middle. Like he's trying to say like I feel like if he had just leveled with Rick and be like, you know what? You're about to be killed. Some people tried to uh, talk me into turning you over, uh, turning you over. uh, And, you know, we have a checkered history. This is appealing to me. You have you essentially have no morals. So I was just fighting fire with fire. But now I regret my actions. Let's team up. I feel like Rick would have just rolled with that. But Jerry trying to like keep it keeping Rick from even finding out that he's being assassinated is where Rick is just completely fucking over it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I love the the scenes where they Uh just even just the animation, but like the the creativity in that scene. The a the ride is really cool. Yeah, Uh, it's like this spinning series. It's something you would see an astronaut getting strapped into. Sure. uh, But you're riding around the surface of it in a in a couple of cars, and then they play on the fear. I I don't know if this is a fear of yours, but it certainly is mine. I'm always concerned that I'm going to hit my head on the bars. When you go through a tunnel or you go under like a specifically, you know, crowded
1: area of roller coaster
0: track, I'm always fucking terrified. I like sort of hunched down a little Uh bit.
1: I like the fact that the whirly-durly, they can be a little bit tighter at that because Uh if you knock your noggin, you just come right back, and maybe it's part of the fun. Yeah, it could be. Just have a section where everybody's head gets taken off. Yeah, it's part of the, yeah, it's like uh, some kind of uh, themed horror ride, and it does seem like it's a a real thrill ride. Like, the physical deformation that Rick and Jerry were experiencing is, yeah, it's like something they'd put an astronaut through.
0: But it's probably a pretty risky one, too. Like, I'm looking at the nature of this ride where Mm -hmm. it comes off the track. Tracks. and then you've got these spinning rings and it's supposed to land at just the perfect time if you miss that okay well you're in the field you're not gonna get killed instantly but right if you go flying off the tracks you're gonna go outside of the field in a falling roller coaster car right. and eventually hit something and die like the stakes are still extraordinarily high on that yeah. ride <laughs> why are there gaps in the field where people's heads just stick up out of the field that protects you from dying on this insane ride cutting corners man <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't increase the diameter Maybe of those aliens there, there's
1: actually a strict height requirement but it's like the opposite of you must be this tall it's like you have to be this short to ride the ride and these <laughs> aliens just fragrant frag, right. flagrantly uh ignored those those they, advisories they probably
0: should only allow certain types of life forms in there then true true
1: well like I said if they got the sign up and they don't pay attention to sign then fuck them I really like the dark the black blackest humor of the brother and sister that we've seen in the bar running around blowing each other's heads off for fun Mm -hmm. like the final time the brother shoots her uh, and she's not going to get back up because the immortality fields turned off. Right. Holy fuck. I noticed the, the brother called the sister Lisa. I wonder if that was like a very stealth Simpsons reference <laughs> could be like, this is the, uh, alien version of the Simpsons, yeah. uh, having, having some fun at the immortality planet. Um, I love the dialogue that Jerry and Rick have as Jerry's being fed to his carnivorous worm. Mm-hmm. Um, he says uh you know like jerry's like fed up with rick and as he's going to die anyway he hits back with like you stole my family and rick shoots back who got taken more when you shot 20 cc's of liquid dream killer into my daughter and he points out to something that i never really thought of in his theory that like you know she was rick's daughter Mm -hmm. that means something on a universal scale she had fucking options and now you're stuck with this um and yeah but how many daughters you got well, true. But that's the thing is, like, it seems like in this finite curve mm-hmm. of of probability that the vast majority of Beths marry a, a, a Jerry. Because you don't <laughs> see a lot, a lot of de- them do, yeah. like, like, where is the badass, independent woman Beth stomping around a citadel? Because mm-hmm. she's, like, from infancy gone on adventures with Rick. It's almost like that version of Rick that becomes the citadel of Rick's types of Rick makes it inevitable that Beth is going mm. to take a flyer on a person like Jerry as a way to, you know, find an absent father figure in her life, uh, fill some kind of hole that he left uh, in, in her void of her heart or act out to try to get his attention, whatever would cause you to shack up uh, and, and make love to a, a man like Jerry. Yeah. Unspeakable things, clearly. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, I thought it was interesting that we find out that Rick is more machine than man in this episode. He's like, all limbs, his eye, significant portions of his brain, Mm -hmm. things in his chest. Like, he's augmented all the hell to the extent that he can't even board a commercial... Uh, space liner without being anesthetized, without yeah. having his uh, neuralizers functions blocked.
0: Um, yeah, which I, I guess doesn't change how I think about Rick. I've already kind of considered him a, a god. In anyway, yeah, yeah. if Even if he wasn't cybernetically enhanced, I think he's. They, they portrayed him
1: as being so smart that mm-hmm. he might as well be a god. I think it's interesting that uh, the second uh, piece of jerry being a piece of shit in this episode is his reaction the once he finds that rick is like docile and unable to fight back he's just a, like that's a classic bully yeah and he's been bullied enough to know better it's just and it's 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 just, it's like a hollow victory too because like rick can't fight back he's not going to remember any of this stuff it's consequence free <laughs> which sets up the whole sequence with him and risotto Where, you know, he does this, uh, he's being triumphantly brave, and he's like, you're neither. I'm beating you handily, and you're not brave because you know I'm not going to kill you because you're the vagina guy. (laughs) And, which causes Jerry to get, and I mean, that's the thing that Jerry, when he gets angry enough, he actually does find a backbone. Yeah. Bites the guy, and he instantly uh, regrets it, and he's saved by uh, a hyperspace trip. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I thought is a very, very long and very cool visual sequence of these three characters essentially becoming one in space time. And when they come to, like Jerry and Risotto are both kind of like rethinking their life, and Rick shakes it off immediately. Yeah. I I love the fact that he's got all these classy. threat cybernetics but he uses a suction cup to pull (laughs) the other guy's gun to him and he flails like like it's like like you're trying to get a lure off a fishing line you're kind of like fumbling for it before he just blows the guy's head off with his own gun and then finally i think it's cool that because a lesser show would have this be like jerry hitting rock bottom and then you know, he would start to make positive changes. But here in the end of the episode, even as he vows, right. uh, you know, I'm not going to play the victim card anymore. I'm not going to try to play on people's sympathies. And then Rick's like, hey, sounds good. and But Jerry tries to change his mind. And Rick's like, ah, no, nah, I, I believe in you, buddy. You can call an Uber, get a lift, uh-huh. walk, whatever, bye. Uh, it's going to be a long, if Jerry recovers at all, mm. it's going to be a long, hard road. Yeah, because... and I
0: think there's room for it to happen. I mean, you can look at this episode and you can say what the the journey that Morty has gone through has changed him. So I do believe that they will evolve characters, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. and certainly Beth has evolved. You know, that's it's something they do. So we'll see how long it takes, Jerry.
1: Yeah, like um, Morty is markedly more mature in the way he's dealing with things yeah. in this episode and kind of becoming almost a parental figure for his older sister. It's. It's interesting that they you know we we've, we've heard him talking in in interviews and stuff that they want to keep this like Simpsons level where no one ever ages, and yet there's so much character development happening, yeah, the character's getting sharper, more mature, more nuanced, and I don't know maybe that'll work than like in a forever 14 year old body
0: i I think so, so All far, right. so
1: good. Well, let's talk about Morty and his adventures with uh, summer and Beth. Um, yeah. so they've done a lot of divorced dad commentary. And from what little I know, my experience with divorced moms is like them getting way into arts and crafts is kind of like <laughs> their their windbreaker move. OK. And Beth doing it out of
0: leftover uh, I, hooves. There, there's feet. something grotesque and it's not the hooves. It's not that's not the problem. Right. There's something like unnatural, like Lovecraftian about the thing she's building, because mm-hmm. if you look at it, she's building a
1: dog out of horse hooves is she because i thought it was a horse just a really shitty job of it
0: i mean maybe it is but it's got this tail that comes way up i don't think of horses having upward tails i think of you know flow downward flowing i I think she's making a dog which to me is just so unsettling if she were making a horse out of horse hooves i'd be okay
1: but it's it's something about making another creature out of it is no i mean what if you made like a three-dimensional collage of a human out of toenail clippings and, and not just I mean, that, it's because, gross. because, it's, yeah. because I, at first I thought it was just like, yeah uh, you know, when uh, uh, a guy puts on horseshoes, what's that, Farrier? Is there a, there's a learned name for it, or maybe it's just uh, That sounds right, but I'm... Farrier. Let's go with Farrier. Yeah. Uh, until someone pr- uh, looks it up and proves me wrong. Um, they do have like hooves, like you, you get a bunch of hooves, like, you know, toenail clipping types of hooves, but there's whole ass uh, horse feet. Like, you know, you get Uh like like a couple of points of articulation, like the horse ankle, the horse forearm. And when Morty asks her about it, she doesn't respond except for say, hey, I just assure you this is all perfectly legal. If that's what you're wondering. Yeah. And there's also like a half fragment of dialogue when they come back to this from a later scene where she's talking about like uh, how she just kind of walked him out of the horse hospital. Uh Like, I just feel like she just got this big bag of medical waste and in some kind of insane divorced mom move just oh. had to get 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 the high glue gun out and and make her a horse dog Um... I I mean th- there's there's a lot of great stuff in here Summer uh Cronenberg-ing herself because she wants to have massive boobies. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I can't exactly relate to that, but I can relate wanting to have a more masculine body when you're growing up as a teenager and
0: Oh yeah, especially just after you get dumped, you know. Yeah. And and the person moves on immediately to someone else. You look at right. their qualities and say what do they have that I don't?
1: Exactly.
0: I mean it's it's natural for everybody and Summer being a teenage girl it's probably amplified.
1: Yeah, and it's like that sec that, that sequence of her like transmogrifying herself I thought was a nice 10 second play on the cons of the body dysmorphia. Oh yeah. And like plastic surgery addiction. She
0: had it. There was that one shining moment she where had. she had the
1: perfect she had perfect uh, uh, ratio is not the right word
0: that makes that makes it sound like i think her boobs are perfectly huge i'm talking about (laughs) symmetry
1: right like she
0: she had the matching on the left and right she could have just stopped there but she got they
1: they were stripper titties by anyone's uh anyone's definition they were perfectly proportional and then she 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 had to fly too close to the sun Man. And how I, I did like, and then um, she just
0: kept getting closer and closer to the sun. <laughs>
1: she, yeah, and how how I think exploded. it was neat how they did it because, like, at, for, her putting her hand up to like block it is like a natural yeah. human reaction, but then. Um, this is something that Dan pointed out in the commentary like they planned all this out like the weight mm-hmm. of her giant hand then pulled her face into it and her her head growing big then rolled her over so it hit her ass it's not like again a lesser show this would be a Three Stooges thing where she's just like whoop 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 and uh-huh. twisting and turning but like there's physics to it and, oh yeah
0: and if you could feel it in yeah, that
1: scene <laughs> you could feel you could feel those big arms and titties hitting the ground uh, so she, she Cronenbergs herself or as uh, I think Morty says Clive Barkard yeah yeah because they're they're spreading the body horror around, uh-huh. trying to give credit where credits do.
0: And I love Morty's reaction when you know they come out and the bets looking at the machine like, "Oh, I'll normalize it. Surely that makes sense, right? Let's just hit that button." Right. Morty knows better. Morty right. Morty has been on so many adventures with Grandpa Rick at this right. point. He knows that normal. ...is is completely relative.
1: It's relative to this fucking planet Earth. Absolutely. <laughs> Let alone... I mean, and you think about, like, if you've ever bought, like, a shoddy piece of, uh, let's say, Chinese uh, electronics... Mm-hmm. ...and you read the in, instruction manual, probably auto-translated in English, there's some hilarity there. Oh, yeah. So imagine... And that's just on our planet, where we all have the same physiology, we have the same basic human needs and drives... ...and conceptual understandings of things, mostly... Uh, you, you get this imported from some fucking planet where the, it's like each machine is staffed by an internal de- department of technical support. Uh-huh. It's it's funny because there's a little bit of boomer humor in this too because like I did my share, I did my my fair share of technical support back in the day mm. when I was entry-level IT guy mm. and I was always amazed at how uh, Number one, people could could be completely unable to follow directions. Yeah. Like you tell someone to click on something and you hear three clicks over the phone. You'd <laughs> uh-huh. be like, what the fuck did you just do? And also their ability to just follow directions regardless of what like you know i'm pretty sure i could have gotten someone to pour a a cup of coffee in a fan vent or something (laughs) if i told him to do it and the person was dumb and and not good with computers enough and there's a little bit of that with beth Uh, where she like frees the techno support guys which i thought was pretty funny and just morty instantly realized oh my god like father like goddamn daughter yep um yeah she doesn't want to she
0: doesn't want to be dependent on rick in Mm. this scene right like she's She's her marriage is just broken up. She's trying to prove how independent she is, right? So she's going to handle this herself, and I think that's a pretty natural reaction.
1: I, I liked it, but it's self-destructive because oh, yeah. she's completely out of her depth. So it's like, is this really like? Imagine Rick coming home to like summer turned inside out, uh-huh. uh huh? Or she Cronenberg's the whole fucking world, uh? Clive Barker's the whole fucking world because she bounces <laughs> off a satellite dish or some shit. Sure, like yeah, that's really going to impress your your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that. I like the the neighbor Gene. Like that was one of the things from the I remember from the teaser trailer, like Morty just snapping at his neighbor, Mind your own goddamn business, Gene.
0: Yes, and it, it's amazing to me what Gene does and doesn't notice about the scenario. Oh yeah? So he doesn't notice the the exploded house, the giant summer. True. He just walks up and when they're, when Morty and Beth are arguing, he goes, Everything okay? Well, this is the same <laughs> he notices the argument, but not the well,
1: explosion. To be and- fair, summer had already fucked off at that point. Uh huh. But and the house is ruined. This is the, the same neighborhood. This destroyed. is the same neighborhood that routinely sees like a flying saucer land, and pull into the garage, and everybody just uh-huh. water into the their their lawn. Y- yeah, and- but here
0: you have the interaction with the neighbor, that's right? True. Like that's the difference. Is in my mind, like there's a neighbor standing there looking at the scenario, right. and the things he sees out of place is like the relationship that's right. not quite right between the mother and son.
1: Well, and they also have that sitcom thing where they set it up to be like tool time. Yeah, uh, you know Tim's neighbor, I forget the guy Wilson. Wilson, yeah. that you just see like you know the sage, trusted outside the family friend that can like be the impartial judge. And he starts at that, that that interaction, that sitcom interaction. And Morty just shuts him f- down, yeah. shuts him down in the way only an Adult Swim cartoon character can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like the idea that Morty is paying more attention to his sister than than the mom is. Like yeah. he's able to instantly, once uh, he he puts two and two together, realize that oh, this is because. Ethan broke up with her. Ethan's gonna take her to this camping trip. Ethan broke up with her to take this girl with big stripper titties to this camping trip. Mm-hmm. She's gonna go there to, I don't know, wreak some kind of big girl revenge. Yeah, I think yeah, she was gonna attack on Titan hmm. him, maybe. Could be <laughs> or something. Some something. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to exist. Is a fifty foot <laughs> tall woman turned inside out?
0: No. I do
1: really love the drive
0: to the camp though because it's clear that Morty is trying to figure out the device as they go right and in the process he kills the mailman with a giant mailbox Mm -hmm. he's he's they're driving down the road just turning things big and small and just wreaking
1: havoc on the neighborhood which is kind of like a little micro commentary on the Smith family you know like everyone talks shit about Rick but Morty uh, has yeah. as little regard for his neighbors and the people around his life True. as Rick has for the entire Milky Way galaxy. Yeah. So, like, it's a difference of degree and scale, not kind, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And is it a consequence of traveling on these journeys with Rick? Sure. Like, does he know, well, if I fuck it up too
1: bad, we're off to the next dimension. Right. And Ethan, you know, like, I'm not going to say it's not a dick move to, like, dump a girl and then take another girl on a, the exact same date, mm-hmm. like, a, a couple days before. But he's 16. I don't know that he deserves to be uh, Clive Barkard. Yeah, the tag is I don't, or Morty Or j- is... Carpentered, if, if that's the next one, next season. I, I don't think he, he deserves to be the uh, Carpenter that like we see in The Stinger. And Morty's yeah. sitting down at the fire and the s'mores and, and being like Michael interrogating uh, uh, Carlos. Huh? And yep. that of the got this so fucking good. It's so cold-blooded.
0: Yeah. No, I loved it. But yeah, and then, you know, we got and the... And then Beth, Beth and Summer reunite and she has turned herself into the the monster that summer thinks she is uh, th- thereby somehow normalizing it i'm not i'm not sure exactly what they're playing at i'm not a. am neither a mother
1: nor a daughter i i that feels like a very sitcommy thing like if you're it's just it's like if your kid wets right? your pants and he's all embarrassed about it then like you wet your pants to be like see it's not that big a deal yeah but that's fucked up and stupid like I mean, it's still a big deal. Now there are just two big deals. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> but but I mean, it's a it's a show of sympathy.
1: Yeah, I think it's what the real deal is. And right? also, you're you have a much better chance stopping your 50 foot tall inside out daughter. Mm, yeah. If you yourself are a 50 foot tall monstrous mom. True. You know, if she just show, rolls up as Beth, the uh, summer kid attack on Titaner. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't because uh, she's a good mom, as, <laughs> <laughs> as everyone points out. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. After this short break, we'll be back to talk to Wall Street Journal reporter Paul Vigna about the finer points of destroying a galactic economy. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Time for housekeeping. Cecily and I are still doing American Horror Story, the 1984 season. And also, last week, we released our first installment of our annual Halloween season scary movie podcast. That's right. Cinematic Spooktacular 3, The Search for Spook. This week... We discussed the movie Spring, Brightburn, and the classic 1978 John Carpenter slasher flick, Halloween. Very appropriate for the season. Jim and I also did a preview podcast for Mr. Robot, whose final season started last weekend, this 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 last Sunday. We'll have complete coverage uh, of each episode every Wednesday. You can, of course, find that by searching for 2-Bit Encryption in your favorite podcast app. That's the podcast, not the security I would recommend that you run on your cell phone, for example. Also, we're covering HBO's The Deuce from The Wire creators David Simon and George Pelicanos. If you're not watching it, it's a damn shame because it's just about the best thing on TV right now. Also, in case you missed it last week, we recorded a first-run bald movie on The Joker, a movie that everyone is talking about, and that's what's happening here on (laughs) baldmove.com. Joining us now is Paul Vigna. In addition to reporting on the economy for the Wall Street Journal, he's also written The Age of Cryptocurrency and The Truth Machine, The Blockchain, and The Future of Everything. Paul Vigna, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, fellas. How you doing? Uh,
1: doing real well. Hey, uh, we have kind of like a, a rigmarole we do here uh, with our guests just to kind of get the uh, audience. A A rigmarole. Rick... Oh, man.
2: If you didn't say, say rigmarole ever once before... I'm not even sure if I should do this <laughs> podcast at this point. I, tell
1: him we
0: did. yeah, yeah, please we did. tell me or, you did. or
1: maybe we just owe you some fractional bitcoins for the the <laughs> intellectual property. Right. But yeah, uh, this Rick andmarole, <laughs> Uh just to kind of get you introduced to the audience and vice versa, what is your history with Rick and Morty?
2: Uh, uh, my history is probably like everyone else's history is that at one point, I, I think I might have heard of the the sh- heard of the show before I saw it and then kind of randomly came across a clip of it somewhere and thought, oh, wait, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, good. Uh, and, and thought, what the fuck is this, you know? And then saw two or three other clips and then just said, uh, oh my God, and had to go back and just find everything and watch the entire run of the show. So that that's really, my history is just, you know, somebody kind of came across it at random and just fell in love with it.
1: What's your favorite? I think it's brilliant. What's your favorite episode?
2: Uh, favorite episode is probably entered was Infinite TV. Oh yeah.
1: oh, yeah, do you have interdimensional oh, cable? Just, yeah, do you have yeah, interdimensional
2: are you a, cable? Are you a volume
1: one or volume two guy?
2: <laughs> uh, wait, well, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's tough. It's
1: tough. You're which
2: exposing one? me already. <laughs> yeah, uh, I couldn't I name forget I forget, that. One. One. I think it's probably volume one, right? Just I, the one. With the commercial, that's the takeoff on the Lucky Charms. Yes. And the yeah. kids are eating the leprechaun. Yes, that's that volume is one. it's so sick and demented and ridiculous. I just, that's, and that, that to me is like what's perfect about this show is that it is just, it's just absolute ridiculous satire, but it's also kind of brilliant. And, yeah. and to, I just, interdimensional cable is just, that is infinite TV. That is just so, that's what I love about this show. So that's probably my favorite episode.
1: A uh, good choice. I, I love the the. I see. I see demons. I see demons as they're as they're <laughs> yeah. eating his stomach. Uh, right.
2: Right. Oh, and he's talking. It's... Like I love the way like the dialogue goes on. Right. Yeah. And they do this a lot. Right. It's coming out of my stomach acids. Going, right, why would you right, want this? Right. Yeah. Why would you want this? This is horrible. Why would <laughs> you do this? Like, and they're just eating and eating and eating. It, it's. Oh my god! It's so good. Yeah.
1: Uh, so let's talk about the whirly-durly conspiracy here. What do you think of this episode? There's so many topics to talk about. Uh, teenage mom, uh, daughter strife, a divorced dad, right. uh, depression. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you want to talk about?
2: Uh, like, you know, it, it's – and again, this episode is kind of like the, – the, the issues that they kind of explore are really serious and in some cases extremely dark. I mean, you talk about suicide and depression – and teenage angst and all that stuff, and it is just, you know, like, r- ridiculous hysterical. Uh-huh. Um. The, the, the most brutal part of the whole episode, actually, I think, is when you have the two little kids, yes. the little brother, uh, and he's shooting her and she comes back to life, but then when the, the protection goes off, he shoots her for real.
1: Uh-huh. And she dies. Yeah, it's just some, something happened in the margins,
0: dark. and then they they linger on it for a moment, and uh-huh. they they say, right. "Lisa,
1: are you getting back up?" That uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is dark. That kid's going to need really some dark, some intensive yeah, it, alien therapy for sure.
2: Right, right. Uh, and it's a great episode because uh, you know it breaks down Jerry, who is as much as he's the sad, the worst character. He's also kind of one of the most interesting because he's so bad. Oh, you know what else I love? I'm sorry, I'm getting carried away. Dude. The other episode that's great. Oh, it's the same episode. Now that I think of it, it's when uh the when when Jerry sees what he could have been.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yes.
2: The, the universe where he's really famous. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. All he's, right, we can come back to that. He's,
1: do, he's doing so, coke with Kristen Stewart and's got a needle out of his yeah, yeah, coming out right, of his heart. Right.
2: right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, but that's like, that's Jerry, right? Jerry's this terrible, sad-set character, but he's also kind of this rich character for them to explore. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. There's a little Jerry in all of us. I mean, we've all kind of been down on our luck at times. We felt bad for ourselves at times. You know, if if you can't see any of Jerry in yourself, you're 100% lying to yourself about who you really are. Oh, yeah. Which is what makes him a very relatable character. So this episode's great because they they break him down by taking him to a place where he can't be harmed. And he manages to completely destroy him.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is where you bring the most you know? fragile being in the universe and he still fucks right. it up.
2: It's, right. And he still fucks it up, right? He hates his father-in-law, but he feels sorry for his father-in-law. And then he's vindictive and he's trying to kill him. And that just destroys everything about the place. And then he's getting eaten by the horrible creature. And that's great, too, where he's getting eaten by that horrible snake creature. And, and Rick is just casually watching it. And you think, oh, my God, Rick's going to let this guy die. Rick has no compassion. And then Rick seems to, but Rick doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so that the whole way they kind of break Jerry down and bring him back is, is, to me, very interesting.
1: I wonder why that he doesn't feed Jerry to the snake. Is it just because it would bum Morty out? Like, you know... T- t-
2: Or that's the thing, right? Like, did he really just need a living thing in that goo? And that's why, like, was he really going to let him die? And the answer, of course, is absolutely. Absolutely, right? I mean, these are infinite universes, infinite versions of yourself. He knows that he can go to any other universe and get another Jerry. He doesn't care about their lives. Well, plus he's, he's proven, it. He's they, they, proven they, they, it.
1: They had that Jerry Burry episode where they established there's like a Jerry daycare, and there's a oh, level God, where too. all the right. Jerry's have been abandoned. So yeah, you could just swing yes. by there, tip the lady a little bit extra to look the other way, take home one of those, yes. you know, right. uh, a derelict Jerry's, and boom, yeah. bang, you're back in business.
2: Right. Exactly. So clearly, he would have let Jerry die. He just needed a living, organic thing you know, covered in goo like he explained it.
1: I also think that there's probably like a hundred different ways that Rick could have gotten back to the facility without breaking a sweat mm-hmm. and without feeding Jerry to the snake. He just decided to do that because he wanted to fuck with Jerry.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> cause it was convenient. Right. The thing <laughs> right, was there. Right. Right.
1: Uh, I had some questions cause it's, it's, we haven't had like uh you know, you write for the wall street journal, you, uh, get pretty in depth in a lot of economic matters, especially kind of like future economic matters, like crypto. Sure. Uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, et cetera. Um, so I thought it was a unique opportunity to ask your opinion on things that happened in the show in the past. For example, uh, the season three premiere, the Rick Shank redemption, Rick, Rick, yeah. Rick destroys the entire fe- Federation, federal, uh, the Galactic Federation's economy right. by setting their currency to zero, worth zero dollars, which causes right. everybody to rebel and establish pants as a new uh, galactic currency. Yeah. Right, uh, right. Is that actually is anything like that remotely possible in our little sliver of the universe here on planet Earth?
2: The the, the answer is yes. And it's one of the reasons why I just I absolutely love this show and I think it's brilliant Uh, because they do shit like that. I mean, it's it's really smart because it's absolutely true. And you look for the parallel. What's the parallel? The parallel is actually the financial crisis in 2008 where every bank around the world was sitting on what they thought were was an asset base worth trillions of dollars, right? They all had their balance sheets, their ledgers, and they said, well, we have these assets on it that are worth this, and we have these assets that are worth this, and we have these assets that are worth this, and, worth this, and the collective worth is billions of dollars, and we're a well-capitalized bank, so we can go out and loan money, you know, X times that, and they, they call it leverage, mm-hmm. when you have more loans outstanding than you have collateral on your books, but you know you're going to get paid back because there's a certain value to all of it, right? right? This was what the financial crisis exposed was that all of that was completely made up and arbitrary. And there was a period of time, and this is why the financial system seized up in uh, September of 2008 after the collapse of of Lehman Brothers, Because what happened was Lehman Brothers was saying, we have assets on our balance sheet that are worth X billions or trillions of dollars or whatever it was. And when push came to shove, it wasn't. And when it wasn't, every other bank realized that what they thought they had on their balance sheets was not worth what they thought. And even worse, what their, their counterparties were claiming they were worth they didn't know if they were worth it anymore. They couldn't trust anybody else's accounting. And when that happened, the entire global financial system seized up like a, like a car, mm-hmm. like an engine would seize, and the whole thing just came to a crashing halt. And that happened. It was real. And what it showed was that these values that we put are completely arbitrary. And when Rick just changed one digit and what's funny about that episode too is like he goes through this inc- entire incredible rigmarole. rigmarole. <laughs> uh, caught myself there. Oh yeah,
1: oh another fractional bitcoin, Jesus.
2: <laughs> right, right, yeah, another one. Right, um, you know, this entire convoluted process of killing people to get in their heads, and you think it's all this complicated stuff building up to something gigantic, and then he just hits the one button that changes the digit from a one to a zero, and the world goes it, you know, to shit yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean it absolutely is true. Our what we consider money, what we consider value, all of that stuff is arbitrary, and it is i'm I'm not kidding you. If you sit there and think about it long enough, which is what I've been doing covering Bitcoin for the last six and a half years, you realize that all of it is faith-based.
1: Let me ask you this, because there was something I saw that was kind of frightening on your uh, Twitter timeline when I was perusing it the other day. There was an article about the Giants. No, well, no, no, that's 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 New York City's problem with the Colts. My (laughs) Colts have the problems of their own. Um, But uh, there's an article that uh, I guess a colleague of yours, Caitlin Long, wrote about the U.S. dollar being under stress and. She asserted that, like, you know, so what you were talking about in 2008 was, like, there's, like, you know, there's, like, a bunch of subprime mortgage leveraging. But what she asserts in this article is that, in fact, the U.S. dollar is being shorted the same way, that uh, that there is some kind of... Um, Accounting audit that revealed that the average Treasury bond had been leveraged like 2.21 times Oh that
2: article sure
1: and right so like is that that seems like it's even worse because like you know That thing blew up around subprime mortgages and there's cause of credit But like this feels like it was very similar that that's what caused me to to think of this question is like holy cow uh, What happens when our actual currency is being devalued that way? Like how how, how panicked yeah. on a scale of one to holy shit should we be about this, Paul?
2: Uh, I don't know, three or four. I mean not very panicked.
1: <laughs> okay, all Seriously, right.
2: But but now now, that doesn't mean that the issue isn't legitimate. All that really means is that when push comes to shove, the government and the central banks are not going to let the system fail. That was the real lesson of 2008. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that the you know, what what should have happened in two thousand and eight? Honestly, if we had really open and free markets, is every bank would have been put into bankruptcy. They all would have failed. They all would have collapsed.
1: What would that have? Done, what would have been the result of that <clears throat> to the worldwide economy?
2: Uh, it, it it, you know, people say, oh, it would have been ten times worse. My, my personal opinion is it wouldn't have been. It might have been, you know, a little bit worse than what actually happened, uh-huh. but what would have actually happened also is that all that bad debt would have cleared out and you could have started over. Hmm. And that would have been better in the long run. All the big banks would have been put into bankruptcy. They would have been broken up the various pieces sold off to whoever could buy them. And you would start to rebuild the financial system from a lower base. It would have been better. That didn't happen. And because the government and the central banks came in and saved it. And that is the enduring lesson to get back to your question. The enduring lesson is that the, Governments of the United States and the world and the central banks of the world will step in and save the system, which is why I say the panic level is only about a three or four. But the issue is real. The issue is that there are more people claiming to hold assets in the financial global capital markets than there are assets. Mm -hmm. It's called rehypothecation. I'm pronouncing it badly. But what happens is I, I issue a bond. I sell it to you.
1: And this is the US Treasury bond. This is supposedly safest investment you can make.
2: Safest investment on the planet. Yep. Uh, You hold it, somebody wants to borrow it because they want to leverage a bet. They want to make another bet against something else and they need some collateral. So they borrow it from you for some period of time, a week, two weeks, three months, whatever it is. So I own it, it's on my balance sheet, I sold it to you, I have that credit, you own it, you've lent it out to somebody. That process can go on several times to the point where that one bond is now sitting in various guises on several different balance sheets. Normally, that's a ridiculous system, but it normally works. What happens is when a couple of people have to cash in their chips at the same time, you get problems, which is what happened in the financial markets the last week or two, and the Fed had to come in and kind of throw some liquidity around and smooth it over, and that, and they did it, and that's why nobody panicked. Well, if- uh, in 2008, they weren't expecting it, and the whole thing just seized up at once, and they had to come in and scramble to do it. Gotcha. That's why you had the problems.
1: It seems like from a, a, a layperson or something from sitting outside, it's like it's it seems like if everyone's aware of this problem, there should be a way to. Uh like account for this or keep people from doing it if it's actually bad is there Am I? should I draw a conclusion from the fact oh, that everyone knows about this and no oh, one's doing anything
2: about it oh oh you you naive cartoon loving nerds! <laughs> <laughs> how how precious of you uh yeah man of course it's a problem look I, and I know this is a Rick and Morty podcast and not a financial markets podcast so we don't have to go too far into it um they the, the cartoon-loving
1: the, nerds need an education. Give it to them, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the,
2: the the issue is that over the last, I don't know, four or five decades, um, the markets have expanded rapidly, and the technology to manage that has not kept up. And you've kind of had just one jury-rigged solution after another, where to the point where right now the entire global market is this just incredible, Incredibly convoluted Rube, Gold, Rube Goldberg like machine that parts of which are built on <clears throat> excuse me code that is probably forty or fifty years old, and nobody has taken the time to update the entire because updating the entire system would be very expensive and time consuming, and they've made it work well, quote unquote, well enough. so, that's why nobody has bothered to, to rebuild it, re-engineer it. But yeah, it's in, it's in need of reengineering. It's in need of rebuilding. And that was one reason why Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies seemed so attractive when they first came on the scene is because they promised, the promise of them was this sort of cleaner technology and this better system. hasn't quite been proven out yet, but, but ultimately that's kind of what the real sort of attraction of those cryptocurrencies are.
1: Uh, I got like actually I got a follow up on that. So like just just to get a scope for my own personal curiosity, how many global financial collapses would it cost to actually rebuild the system in a great? Because I'd say it's too expensive to do, but like. Trillions of dollars are lost in the, in the last collapse, like is it more right. expensive than that? Is it actually cheaper to just let the thing well, uh, chug I mean, along look, for 12 the, years and fail every every decade or two? or Yeah,
2: I mean, look the, the answer to that is, is self-evident. We had a crash in 20, 2008, and they didn't rebuild the system. It was cheaper for them to paper over the problems. Hmm. So, well, to, to answer your question, what would it take? It would take something magnitudes worse than 2008.
1: God, that's hmm. that's
2: which is terrible. exactly. Yes. Uh,
1: so I, I gotta. So this is a kind of leads up to my next question. In season two, there's this episode uh, where they get on a purge planet. Look who's purging now. And you know, long story short, at the end, there's this peasant class that's been liberated from this rich uh, overseeing ruling class, and their yeah. economy essentially gets devastated. And Rick, uh, as he's leaving in a spaceship, suggests they try bartering. And right. they evolved from a like feudal agrarian barter system to essentially laissez-faire capitalism in the space of about thirty seconds. And I was wondering yeah. if 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 Paul uh Vinya was there and he had your pitchfork and you had your your straw hat and your step forward to say, No, this is you had your clean slate. you you already had the magnitudes yeah. worse, everyone so many people did. What 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 would you recommend these people institute? Uh
2: there's no doubt, as, as noble as I think I am and as, as honest a player as I think I am, and I think I'm certainly a decent person, there's no doubt that I would do one of two things. I'd either uh, propose something that is completely unworkable and wouldn't work and people would hate it and would hate me, or I would propose something that absolutely would benefit me above everybody else and eventually people would come to hate me. and I would, And either way, I end up being the next hated person. There's no <laughs> there's no way that I would suggest something that is actually workable, that also is completely equitable and fair and would create a you know sort of utopian society. It just would The reality is those things just they don't work.
0: So capitalism so, is as close as we get to that.
2: Probably, you know, probably. But again, infinite universes somewhere. There's a version of me that would promote, you know, promote something that would work.
1: Gotta get a portal gun and find that Paul.
0: Yeah, maybe we should right. see an episode uh where you know Rick and Morty goes deeper. Maybe maybe you could talk with Dan and Justin and see if you could uh consult on an episode like that.
2: Yeah. Oh I should. They they, they need that they did they, the real actually they don't need me. <laughs> just, they don't. I'd like to think that they need me, but they, they clearly don't.
1: Uh, Paul, is there uh, where tell tell our listeners where they can keep up with you on the internet? And is there anything that you, uh, any project you're working on that you want to let people know about?
2: Sure. Uh, I mean, look, Twitter is is the obvious place. Just at Paul Vinea, if you want to keep up with my my rantings about Bitcoin and the giants and the economy and I don't know whatever else. When when Rick and Morty comes back, I'll talk about Rick and Morty. Uh Amazon, if you go to Amazon, I've written a couple of books, two about Bitcoin, one about the walking dead, which sounds just like I tell people that it's oh you've written books? Yeah, I've written books. What are they about? Uh Bitcoin and the Walking Dead. And people <laughs> say they look at me like, What? How does that you know? But when you think about it, they're actually not that dissimilar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, because you know, Bitcoin people are, are you know, but there, there's an overlap. Mindless zombies? What Well, it's the apocalyptic death cult. Mm. You know, in both cases, it's it's really not that dissimilar. Uh, and I'm attracted to apocalypse stories, so that that's why I think I'm interested in both topics to an extent. So they're they're not that dissimilar. Yeah, I've written a couple of books about Bitcoin. One about The Walking Dead. Uh, you can find them on Amazon. And then, obviously, the Wall Street Journal, where I write, where I get paid my day job. So I'm always on the Wall Street Journal. If you want to go on that website, WSJ.com, you can find me and uh, much better writers than me, too. So if you go for me, you'll probably find someone who's even better, and then you'll like it, and you'll think, oh, wow, these guys are smart. Maybe I should subscribe, not for Venia, but for somebody else.
1: I will uh, link those in the show notes for the convenience of the listener. Uh, I appreciate uh, you coming on, Paul, talking some Econ, talking some Rick and Morty. Uh, We'll see you soon.
2: Yeah, let's uh, get back when season four comes on.
1: Let's do it. Hmm. Human music. I like it. All right, Jim, are you ready to once again plot to the future? Yeah, let's do it. Of course, this is where we open a portal to Dimension BM77 to access behind-the-scenes details, trivia, and spoilers for future episodes. Potentially, if that doesn't sound like your bag, bail now. Up first, we actually have a bit of news that we didn't cover in the news section because it's also a little spoilery. It's the it's the expanded trailer for Season 4. Previously, we got a little bit of a teaser and like a, a, a short scene. Uh, but this is a, a full trailer. It's about 90 seconds long. Uh, we're going to talk about it here in a minute. But I want to talk about some meta stuff around it because it also confirms that Rick and Morty is coming back in November, November 10th, which is a Sunday night at 11:30 p.m., and there will be five new episodes. Now, part of the internet that care, the part of the internet cares about Rick and Morty, lost its shit a little bit when they heard that because. Uh, people were afraid we'd just get this half season because it's, you know, Lord knows Rick and Morty has been plagued with delays and and fits and starts throughout its history. And the trailer kind of leans into that with the, it's the half the season you deserve talk. I don't know why they did it intentionally in that way and inflammatory, um, but Erica Hayes, one of the directors for season four, confirmed that season four is indeed 10 episodes long. I'm going to include that tweet in the show notes if you want to confirm for yourself. What's your analysis of this? What does this this mean for the season four schedule? So I assume like <laughs> I don't know every show that's ever come before it. Uh,
0: this the Rick and Morty is gonna be taking a break for the holidays. Yeah, to to not ruin people's holidays, especially the podcasters that are maybe be covering the show. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so they'll do one a week for five weeks, November tenth through December whatever, uh-huh. and they'll break and they'll come back in the new year with five more.
1: Yeah. I mean, typically this is like anywhere from mid-January to like late February when they come back. If you are a fan of Rick and Morty from the very beginning, then you'll know in its first season they released the season in batches of three where they released uh, three episodes (laughs) and went off for Christmas, came back in mid-January for another three, took another break, came back in April. For the final run of like four weeks So there's precedent for this and you're right Like every television show that premieres this late in the year I know American Horror Story's done it a couple of times But mm-hmm. a lot of them takes that like mid-holiday break And uh, gives us a break Which is nice um, Now the other thing I thought was interesting This November 10th date Is a full week earlier than the Adult Swim Fest Yeah, that's weird one of the things in the previous announcement Of Rick and Morty Season 4 Was that The season four will premiere at Adult Swim Fest. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many people bought tickets to that with the idea that they'd be able to do the screening, but I wonder how they're going to square that. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. If if
0: I were, you know, a huge Rick and Morty fan and I were attending that (laughs) and I and I were attending that uh, festival, Uh I'd probably be there for that. Uh, at least a good portion of why I bought my ticket.
1: So, yeah, and now you're going to see it. So, so there's one way they could square this, which is they're going to what they're really going to premiere is the first episode of the next five batch, oof. which will be a pretty sizable premiere. Like that'll that yeah, you'll be getting I, it hmm. weeks, if not like a month and a half, two months in advance of when anyone else is seeing it. But like any other way, like the other I thing, I seriously doubt that's what they'll do. The other thing is that they could premiere the second episode. So, like, it's, it comes out the, the next day before, night, yeah. so they're just going to screen the second episode, but that's still a little, you know... It's not really what they promised. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would be disappointed. little thunder stolen, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. By themselves? They stole their own thunder gem. I know. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, it's a very uh, Rick thing to do. I don't mm. know if that's... <laughs> if rolling the way Rick does is the best way to take care of your fans, but uh, yeah, the, the, the big big bullet point for me is that me six are making an appearance and not just a cameo they're in a couple of the yeah. scenes in the trailer there's one where they're having a struggle for a gun in Rick's uh, <laughs> spaceship with Morty in a full Nazi regalia uh-huh. and gearhead in the back seat I yep. th- and there's others where they're like looks like they're just multiples of them rampaging or as through uh, Main Street uh wherever the Smiths family lives on Earth. I'm excited because Me Six are like one of the things that really sucked me into the series. And, you know, Mm -hmm. four seasons later, bringing them back, other than the cameo, I'm there for it. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, returning characters.
0: Like you said, Gearhead's uh, shown. He gets shot in the head, actually, at one point, very Pulp Fiction style. Okay. Uh, There's a lot of people
1: getting shot in the head in this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Poopy Butthole shows
0: up uh, in this
1: trailer. And he's doing like, so it looks like he's a college professor and he's got Uh his cane. And then, like, all of his students in the amphitheater. Uh, Like, come at him with kung fu stances and he starts like kings mending them with his cane. Yeah. You know, like, a, like, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. That's, 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 that's something he does. Um, I like the one where he says, uh, lab coat, rip off Doctor Strange. In <laughs> that's a fla- my favorite line from the well, trailer. Did you know that, did you know that, uh, Dan was actually brought in to consult on yeah, Doctor Strange? Yeah. He said he
0: was there one day. They didn't yeah. use any of his stuff. I, it's, yeah i don't think this is self referential i of dan think i think it's this a little is just... a
1: little self referential mm, okay. but uh yeah, yeah. I, it was easily my favorite line of the entire trailer. <laughs> and it just comes off, and, like I, and that might tie into... Because there's one point where Rick's saying, yeah, you're right, I could get used to this magic, because it looks like he's going through like kind of like... Some a, kind of magical gun. Turn yeah, people into some kind of steampunk stuff. high fantasy adventure, and mm-hmm. that is exciting. Like, Rick mixing the arcane, adding the arcane to, to his element. Oh, and you know he's going to be super skeptical at first, and it'll be good. Well, also, like, if they're... To me, I guess... Magic. I roll with Asimov' uh, description, which is mm-hmm. uh, technol- Any sufficiently techn- to advanced technology is, is magical. Yeah. So, like, is there something so advanced that Rick doesn't understand it, or is there actually some kind of magical force that is outside the laws of his physical understanding, or mm-hmm. they're just playing some fucking video game, or this is like an elaborate fantasy D and D campaign he's running? Like, all those things are. I know are in the veins of Harmon and Royland, mm-hmm. and like, you know, D and D campaigns are all up in Harmontown. Fucking Harmon quest yeah. is an animated version of Harmontown Just with D and D came up in community a lot. So I'm, I'm excited to see them explore that high fantasy concept. It looks like Morty's going to have a lot of trouble
0: this, this coming season um he he seems to be shit on evermore by rick you know he's he's being turned into some beast that rick is gonna have to hunt down uh if he leaves his his balm on too long Yep. uh he's also dangling from a cliff at one point and rick's very much just taunting him with having the only hover chair this is
1: this is must be one of his morty adventures and he's like yeah fuck you <laughs> right uh, i then... love how the the morty card's coming back and it's like he said something uh-huh. like uh yeah, we're going to consider this one of yours because I guess Morty is like, it's, it's a Rick adventure, but he's had enough of his fingerprints on it that, more, that right. Rick's like, not nah, fuck this. I'm <laughs> punching <laughs> your card. Uh-huh. Uh, Summer and Beth are ex- engaged in some sort of blood sport involving like golf clubs and crowbars oh, and yeah. like, trash can okay. lids on an airport tarmac, uh-huh. I think. Uh, Morty gets a dragon. And mm-hmm. like I said, yep. Morty, it's tough year for Morty because not only all of the things you mentioned, but uh, as I mentioned, uh, he's flirting with Nazism too, so right. that's scary. Yeah, uh, And he's, he's dying in no. one episode, which has some really good lines in it, too. You know, well, the well, people who
0: who die don't normally complain, <laughs> who are dying don't normally complain about it. Uh, and <laughs> Morty asks if that's true. He says, I don't know. I just, I'm around people who die a lot faster.
1: <laughs> They're getting <laughs> atomized in the dust yeah. or crushed by, yeah, or exploded or, yeah, I, I believe that about Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it it looks like it's going to be uh, of a piece of, of the rest of Rick and Morty, which is excellent yeah, news. Everything I saw encourages me that this is going to be a really high quality season. Plus, uh, behind the scenes, Dan and Justin seem like really happy with the process they got, and they're nice. feeling like super. Like I, what I've heard is they're already hard at work on season five, mm-hmm. which implies that we're going to get these with much, a much more regular process, and that they found the way to. You know, get both sides because I think Rick and Morty needs both the Justin craziness and the Dan heart and, you know, consistent narrative arc to actually thrive. Oh, yeah. So being able to, you know, get that two headed Hydra properly yoked and and going in a right direction is just 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 music to the Rick and Morty fan heart that I have. Mm hmm. Uh, and that's your trailer talk. I will, in case you've missed it somewhere, this just came out uh, yesterday. I will put this in the show notes. Uh, if you want to see the trailer and the statement by Erica Hayes, uh, just uh, check, the, the, check the show notes because that's where they're going to be. Um, there's a couple points I thought was interesting uh, talking with Chris Parnell and uh, Erica Hayes, who's one of the lead artists on Rick and Morty. I was a little bit disappointed, and I don't know how you asked this question delicately, but I felt like Dan could have um like i wish someone had asked i i want to ask someone asked chris like what he feels like everyone assigning all these like broadly speaking beta male roles to him Mm -hmm. like is that fuck fuck with you or like is he like the most supremely confident uh self-assured person that he's like yeah i've got this voice but i'm uh you know i'm rich and i've been on saturday night live and nobody could take like i I just feel like it's like um if you were all, if you're if you were um growing up and you're a child star and you always got cast in the fat kid role yeah like that's got to do something to you right yeah i mean it's like like chunk from every
0: once in a while we make fun of paul giamatti Uh uh just occasionally and and it's because you know he's the most like schlubby, ordinary dude. He's an incredible actor. He's extremely successful. Mm-hmm. Does that do, does the types of roles he gets uh, weigh on him? I don't know. Probably,
1: yeah. I, I would think so. I mean, the only difference between him and like the cable guy, Larry the cable guy. Oh, okay, that cable guy is is he's got a serious dramatic career. Uh-huh. And several awards that attest to that. But like visually looking like that, you know, they're like, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of closer than they are. They are different. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I, I don't know how you delicately talk about that or like, Hey, why does your voice keep k- being cast with these like twerpy dudes? Yeah. Um, But the, the, they didn't actually talk about his performance really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find out something surprising about Clancy Brown uh who you might know as the big scary guard from shawshank redemption you might know him as is it the kurag
0: uh, the, the kurgan yeah
1: the kurag uh-huh. uh from from highlander um i feel like the big dudes like that big scary dudes like that they're they e- they're either like super nice or they're complete monsters and mm-hmm. turns out clancy brown nice guy yeah um bit of a hippie Bit of it, yeah. He's referred to as a, as a chill hippie, yeah. That's I was a surprised little, by that, yeah. That's a little surprise, but uh, I, I feel like that's a, that's a cool look for him. Um, there's also like Dan mentioned that uh, this episode, like, um, Justin was kind of disconnected from the writing process. He had one request, which is he wanted to see a giant summer burst out of the garage, uh-huh. and like Dan was like, you know, butthurt and upset about like how, but then he realized like, you know, um, it, it's one of those things like he, they, they say in therapy, uh. You know, if you feel like you're trapped in your life, then this trick is to see your life as a as a as a, as a the result of the choices you've made, and the fact that you're still living it as a choice you're made, and mm-hmm. like Dan, embrace that. Like, you know, I'm gonna choose to see this as uh, as a choice I'm making creatively to just follow Justin's heart, and it leads to an episode like this.
0: And he also got to keep at least one line. Uh, inserted in this when they're in the time vortex, yeah. Time meld. Yeah, which uh, one was that? F- it's the I got shit on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: as, I, that, that was just the as, thing. as Rick and uh, Jerry are like making love as uh-huh. the li- that, as the lion gazelle slash love makers. I thought that was pretty. Yeah. Uh, um, the thing I thought was also interesting is like when they were doing all the immortality field fights on the roller coaster, which I thought was a pretty good standalone set piece. Yeah. He lamented that like they really didn't think to go really lean into the immortality field implications until very late in the process. So he felt like there was a lot of immortality field insanity that you could that, that they left on the table. Well, they could revisit the planet. Yeah.
0: You know, they could always come back.
1: Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like this show is not, you know, I... I I almost wonder if it wasn't better that they didn't, because this uh, the show is not lacking for insane over the top violence. True. Um, in any particular season, and you know, we just had uh, tons and tons of gore and and uh, death and blood last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that was interesting
0: is this is a Dan points out this is a Summer and Beth story, but Summer is not present for most of it. You're right. She's sort of just ancillary to her own story here. Her Uh, her
1: body being out of control is almost like a MacGuffin. Yeah, that brings a focus to Morty and Beth's relationship,
0: right? In a in a surprising twist, Um, and it seems like Morty has really evolved. Uh, Morty of all the characters, I think, has come the farthest. He and maybe specifically after last episode, where we saw him uh, betrayed, sentenced to death by Rick, right? He's kind of written Rick off in a way, right? He needs a break from Rick. So yeah. he sends him off to going out with Jerry. Um, it, it seems like he's there taking care of his family when that should be part of Rick's role. That should be part of his parents' role. Uh, none of them are doing it. And so Rick has to step or sorry, Morty has to step up. Something he probably couldn't have done two seasons ago. He'd be completely incapable of.
1: Uh there's a one other thing, a uh, point from the commentary that I thought was interesting, which is, uh, Dan saying that he thinks Gene comes back later. Uh, I don't think he comes back later this season. We're in a spoiler things. So like I don't think it's, yeah, uh, well, it isn't a spoiler or not. You're in a spoiler section. Uh, I wonder if they're going to bring him back for future episodes and in what cap will it always be someone telling him to shut the fuck up. Right. Or will he actually mature into like a Wilson type character? I don't know. Uh, it seems like both of those are sort of hacky ways to go I do think that eventually with seven more episodes they'll need to bring other people into the secret kind of the way um, Mm -hmm. they talked that like one secret secret sauces is that Rick and Morty don't have to sneak around with mom and dad well I mean a little bit but they know that like Rick's Taken him on intergalactic adventures and everybody's been in the spaceship and everybody, I think at this point, except for maybe Beth. No, Beth has been to the other planet because she went mm-hmm. to the wedding. Yep. Um, and I, the, the party with the logic last time,
0: I assume that yeah, was, that I was off fe- planet.
1: I do feel like now that the whole earth has been like under the domain of an alien empire that more people need to kind of like be into the, the little secret, like maybe a golden yeah. fold, mm-hmm. maybe a neighbor gene, uh, maybe a principal vagina, Mm-hmm. It, it it's the natural thing is like get get a little bit more people into that mix.
0: Yeah, that could be fun.
1: Um, there was one other thing I noticed just in, in like some of the other writings of this episode is people pointed out that the uh, summer has gotten really comfortable with Rick's world to the extent that she oh, yeah. knows like his private codes, some of his hidden caches. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knows where the good stuff is located. It's not like weird or intimidating to her, so there's like an implication that she's been along on some more of his adventures and she's been Mortying it up a little bit.
0: Makes sense. Uh, they always have a good time when they go out. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Mineron from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time.